أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد Last time he, Ayatollah Jawadi was speaking about uh, just living in a delusion, in an illusion here. Um, now he's moving on to, this one's going to be a little longer. As a matter of fact, this one's about 20, 30 pages long. Where he start, he enters in <coughs> something he calls Havas Madari Va Khudbini. Havas Madari or Khudbini. Which means uh, a person is a nafs-centric and um, egotistic and things like that. And he begins with the asghar struggle and the akbar struggle that we've all heard about. Yeah, the minor struggle and the major struggle. So he begins like this. He says that the greatest enemy of a person that gets in the way of their eternal salvation as we've all heard before is the nafs is the nafs that is self-centered all it cares about is satisfying itself doesn't care about the uh, implications of what it does doesn't matter for that nafs that if I do this if I do that what are, what will be the ramifications of that in this dunya or the hereafter it doesn't care this nafs he says is the biggest enemy. Famous Najl Balagha um, excerpt says, I've said this uh, a lot before. That Imam Ali says that the greatest enemy of yours is your own nafs. That is right there in front of you. Um, and is you. You know, so this, by the way, this idea of Ramadan comes, Shaitan is in chains. So why do we still commit sins? The answer is because who's the greatest enemy? It's, it's not shaitan, he's a poor guy. It's your nafs. Allah doesn't just, just doesn't want you to get too much help from, doesn't want your enemy to get a lot of help from outside. So when you're fasting, you're hungry, you're tired, you're thirsty, you're not as inclined to commit haram, right? Or else still haram can happen though. Because the nafs is still there. <clears throat> okay, so... If the biggest enemy is the nafs, then, and the deen is to get us to Jannah, then the fight against the nafs, which is an enemy, will be to go against the nafs. That's why the hadith says, Ra'asuddin Mukhalafatul Hawa. Think about it. You have an enemy. Okay. If this is the enemy, the biggest enemy, then the way to win the war is to defeat this enemy. The best way to defeat the enemy is to go against it. Very simple, common sense. Ra'asuddin. Yes, Ra'asuddin, the head of religion. Everything, the head is everything of something, right? If you don't have a head, you're not, you don't, you don't, you're not alive. You can't live. You can miss other limbs, but you can't lose your head. The head of deen is what? Mukhalafatul hawa. It's just go against those desires that you have. Yeah, who has those desires? The nafs has those desires. So far, so so good, so clear. Nothing really out of the ordinary here. So then he goes on. He 
says, look, this minor struggle and major struggle, which one is the hadaf? Which one is the uh, objective of creation, objective of our, of our lives? He says the <coughs> relationship between the minor struggle and the major struggle is just like the relationship between the notion of tazkiyah and ta'lim. In the Qur'an, right, you will find sometimes the Qur'an when it's talking about ta'lim and tazkiyah, it'll bring ta'lim first and then mention tazkiyah. And sometimes it mentions tazkiyah first and then ta'lim. Tazkiyah means to refine the self, to become akhlaqi. Ta'lim means to teach the book. Assalamu alaikum. To teach and learn. Okay. <coughs> Question. These mufassirin, they say when these two terms come in the Quran, the one that comes first is the most important one, is the goal. But then the question that comes up is, but in the Qur'an, they're, they're, they switch places sometimes. Sometimes this one comes first, and sometimes that one comes first. So they're both very important. They're both, which one is, which one is the, takes priority over the other? Yeah. He says, just because, this is just an example, so then we're going to get back to minor and major struggle. We'll get to that. He says, just like in Ta'lim and Tazkiyah, where sometimes Tazkiyah falls first, sometimes Ta'lim falls first, but in the end, we know that tazkiyah is the goal. The refining of the soul is the goal. And ta'lim is just a means to get to that. Yeah, Same thing holds for the minor and major struggle. But the question that begs to be answered is, then why is it that the Qur'an sometimes brings this one first, sometimes brings that one first? He says, look, sometimes tazkiyah is brought first because it is the goal. It is brought first to highlight that this is the most important thing that you can, you can accomplish. Sometimes ta'lim comes first, not because now this is the ultimate goal. Because that is, if you go chronologically, let's say, if you want to give it an order and a sequence, logically, ta'lim comes first, then tazkiyah comes. So this is highlighting how this one's a means. So just because they come first and second, both of them, doesn't mean they're at equal level now. No, one is still the priority, one is still the ultimate objective. Okay. Now he says, having said that, let's come here. The minor struggle and the major struggle. Well, what's the minor struggle? The minor, the minor, minor struggle is when you are fighting a physical enemy outside. And the major struggle is what? The refining of the soul. Fighting your own urges, your own desires and all of that. He says, look, I have to say this. because, And this is interesting because <laughs> growing up, you know, we always, there is this always this notion of, and it's good, this is right, this notion of, you know, giving your life in the way of Allah. That's something good, yeah. That is, the, that is a goal for some. But the actual fighting in the way of Allah, is that a goal or not? He says, no, these are all a means. The minor struggle, which is when you're fighting an outside enemy, is so that you can go through that, and then you can, with peace of mind, now take care of what you really have to do, which is do the internal struggle, that major struggle of the nafs. He says, don't mix these two up. One is a muqaddimah for the hadaf. One is, one is preliminary and one is the goal. He says, don't confuse these two. And then he gives some explanation why. He says, some people, they get stuck in the fighting part forever. The minor struggle with the outer enemy. And they are negligent of the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is not to fight the outer enemy. That is just a means sometimes because there's no other way that 
a person can live their life the way they want to, they have to go through certain obstacles. This is an obstacle, I have to go through it. If a person does this, they have wasted their life. So he gives the story, the famous story of the Holy Prophet that it says uh, He says, Welcome back to his troops when they came back from a mission. Welcome back. And my welcomes to those who have put behind them the minor struggle. And now what's left is the major struggle. قِيلَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ وَمَا الْجِهَادُ الْأَكْبَرُ قَالْ جِهَادُ النَّفْسِ He says that now, that now that you're done with that, that was something that's uh, momentary, mom, it's, it's, it's something that it just happens because it's just on the way to the ultimate goal. You put it behind you, that's good, but you still have the major struggle left. And so he says, he says, some people showed us that they were only stuck in the minor struggle because when the time for Saqifah came, what did they do? They failed their test. Yeah. It's easy to just sit here 1400 years later and say this, oh, what such losers, they messed up, you know. But that moment is what counts, you know. If they had, when they had come back, had did done this internal struggle of theirs and refined themselves in Saqifah, they wouldn't have messed up. So I'm going to read this part, it's two, three lines. He says, his conclusion that he wants to draw from what he said so far is that it says, therefore, defa'i muqaddas, yes, fighting in the way of Allah, defending in the way of Allah is all a muqaddimah, is all preliminary, not the ultimate goal. The believing mu'min, the believing individual, pushes away the enemy from their homeland so that they can, with peace of mind and safety, Think straight, think properly, figure out what the truth is, and be able to act upon the truth. So that's the whole point of all of this struggle, the minor struggle, is so that we can be, we can take care of the major struggle afterwards. And that makes sense, because if it was the opposite, then we would name this one the major one, and that one the minor one. There's a reason for that. So now, if, uh, if Islam is teaching us that this is a struggle, yeah, all those verses, he says this, all those verses that apply to the struggle, the minor struggle, will also apply to the major struggle. So verses like, Allah will help those who help Him. Now this is talking about fighting the enemy. Yeah, He says this will also apply to who? A person who's fighting the major struggle within. In aqdamakum. If you fight in the way of Allah, Allah will make you steadfast, make, your, make you uh, stand firm. Well, that's also with the great struggle then. If this is the minor struggle, all of that plus more will apply, he says. And then he brings this uh, hadith of Imam, of our first Imam in Nahjul Balagha. He says, Ashru uyunakum wa adminu butunakum. Ayatullah Jawadi wants to prove that this is something that is in Islam. That those verses that talk about fighting the kuffar, also apply to fighting yourself. He wants to use this hadith that I'm reading for you now. 
أدمروا بطونكم واستعملوا أقدامكم وأنفقوا أموالكم خذوا من أجسادكم فجودوا بها على أنفسكم ولا تبخلوا بها عنها He says keep your eyes open in ibadah at night uh, Keep yourselves thin of course through like maybe fasting and not eating too much <laughs> Use your feet to walk to stand in prayer all that in the way of Allah give from your wealth in the way of Allah take from your ajsad from your bodies because the body wants a lot of things take from that and spend that which you take from your body because your body wants things instead spend it on your soul the body wants a lot of things the first and foremost the haram stuff so when my body wants haram I take from it and instead I add to the soul. And he says, look, وَلَا تَبْخَلُوا بِهَا anha," And don't be stingy when it comes to taking from the body, giving to the soul. Now sometimes it's wajib and haram, sometimes it's even more than that. Yeah, sometimes you really don't need certain things too much. Yeah, so I don't know, you have like 10 pairs of shoes, you don't need an 11th pair. You take and you give, in, you give in the way of Allah instead. I mean, yeah, that's what it is. It's all about sacrifice. Time. You want to have time to do things. Alright. And sometimes you like to have fun in a certain way, but you take that time a little bit to research more, to read more into your religion, or to do stuff for others, so they can facilitate for others, so they can uh, benefit from the religion. Yeah? All of these things, it's not wajib. But it says, don't be stingy either. The wajib and haram, definitely. That's, uh, our, that's for us for sure. But even more than that sometimes, every now and then, you know, knock off a little bit of you know, the extra that you know is extra and use that for, Allah, for, for Allah's uh, sake instead. And of course Allah says, I'll give it back to you multifold, tenfold. So now here it says, he says all these things, right? These were all things that have to do with fighting the enemy, shooting arrows and swinging swords. No. But then the Imam ends with this verse of the Quran. فَقَدْ قَالَ اللَّهِ Why am I telling you to do this? Because Allah says in the Quran, in Allah yansurkum wa yuthabbit aqdamakum. But this was talking about fighting in the way of God, the enemies of Islam, for example. What does this have to do with this? Well, this is also then, it shows this is also seen as that major struggle, really. It is a struggle. It is a fight. It is a war. Now, if someone decides, he says, if someone decides not to take this route what happens the minor struggle the major struggle i don't want to fight in it i'm not interested i don't want to get drafted <laughs> this is very relevant what i just said <laughs> i don't want to get drafted into this whole fight yeah i don't want to be involved in a, the major struggle against myself what's the problem with this well first of all you're ruining your akhirah all those things yeah sure and you're going to miss out on a lot of things as well yeah yeah but there's also another way he says that you might destroy your akhirah. He says, look, if a person is not able to achieve the major struggle and win this battle, the result is that they exit from wilayah. They won't have wilayah anymore. And uh, wilayah, we talked about this in that death course as well. Wilayatullah means that you take Allah as your everything. Yeah? And you, wish, you follow him in everything that he wants from you. Once that happens, you fall into the category of the same people that fell into this category of this hadith that I'm going to share with you. 
After the Holy Prophet passed away, it's a very famous hadith, that the Ma'asum, he says, that all the people became murtad, except for three people, or four people, some hadith might say. Wait a minute, the Prophet converted thousands and thousands and thousands. So you're telling me they were all non-Muslim after the Holy Prophet? Huh? They all turned non-Muslim, and this is a problem. Uh, unfortunately, this hadith is not explained properly sometimes, and the people from non-Shia Muslims, they, f- they find fault in what we're saying. They're saying, oh, does this hadith mean everyone became murtad? Murtad means what? Apostate. Everyone turned apostate except three people after the Holy Prophet? What do you mean by that? They weren't Muslim anymore? No, 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 no. He says what is meant is that they left the circle of wilayah. Why? Because as we said a few pages before that, he said this. He said that they came back from the battlefield all happy. Yet the Prophet tells them, okay, you have something bigger and harder to to accomplish now. They weren't ready for it. So if they're not ready for it, when the time comes when they fail, they have left that wilayatullah. And of course, wilayat of Ahlul Bayt falls in line with wilayatullah. But it's wilayatullah here. If a person leaves wilayatullah, so what? What happens? Do you know what happens? Let me read this for you. It says... The blood that was spilled after the Prophet, Holy Prophet from the Muslims was much more than the blood that was spilled during the time of the Prophet and when they were fighting against the Kuffar. That's what happens. A person who <coughs> is not willing to do that, to fight themselves, yeah, it'll manifest in different ways. One of them is what Talha and Zubair did. It manifested in them fighting other Muslimin. So much blood was spilled. You know how many thousands of people, they say tens of thousands, or if not, let me say again, 10,000 died in Jamal. Tens of thousands died in Safin. I don't think the Muslims lost that many people throughout all of the wars they had during the Prophet's time. The Prophet's time, like 10 people would die here, 20 people would die there. That's about it. Thousands of people are dying now. Why? Because some people just could not win the battle of the self within themselves. He says, the reason being that they had done Al-Jihad Al-Asghar and they were only thinking about how to fight the outer enemy and how to push the enemy away and they forgot the Akbar fight. This is while fighting the Qasitin, the Nakithin, the Mariqin, those three groups that fought Imam Ali, they had their problem was to win that battle, they had to have Jihad al-Akbar. They had to have taken care of that. So what I just explained. Now, having said this, uh, I've said this a hundred times, you've heard this example, this or these similar examples from me before. For us today, right? For us today in centers, in communities, in Sunday schools, in all these things, we get a good feeling sometimes. We accomplish something. We set up a program. Yeah, I facilitated this, I did that, right? I'm the one who turned the lights on. I'm the one who set the mic up. I'm the one doing all the legwork for this program. Yeah. That's your minor struggle. Good for you. It might even be wajib. These people who would go out and fight in the way of Allah, yeah, it was wajib on them to go fight. It's not like they were doing something mustahab. So maybe that's even wajib on you. But understand that it, that's not going to be the active element in you becoming a better person. You becoming a better person is when you get angry at home. When you get angry at your wife or husband, mom, dad, sibling, 
That's where that's where the akbar fight is. That's where the greater struggle is. When I'm alone, and there are certain things I'm not supposed to look at, listen to, see. Yeah, that's that's the great struggle. Mm. Yeah, that's the great struggle. And so sometimes we fool ourselves. I've said this a lot already. You've heard it already from me. We fool ourselves. And these people fooled themselves as well. Sayful Islam, one of the Sahaba was called. He's the one, the sword of Islam. Because he fought in the way of the Holy Prophet and really helped the Prophet in his time. But after the Prophet, he drew the same sword over on Ali ibn Abi Talib. We fool ourselves sometimes with certain things and we think that, okay, now it's, I'm getting, why there's this, it's, it's, it's a, what I'm going through is, is physically challenging for me. I'll give you another example, and uh, I don't mean it in a bad way at all. So I'll, I'll give my own example I'll give you. So growing up as a, as a youth, yeah, what happens is, back in Qom, we would go to majalis and everything. And really, some of the majalis would really get you going, you know. And even during the matam part, you know, you would like for hours maybe even, till morning even. Or the nights of Qadr, like all, all, all the rigorous uh, ibadah that we, we would go through. And so it's physically taxing, physically it takes from you. After it you feel, you know, kind of drained. Or for example, they would bring shuhada. And we would go in their tashi' Shuhada, I mean there was no war or anything when I was back 20 years ago, 15 years ago. There was no war, but they would still dig up bodies from the Iran-Iraq war. And bring them from the Junub, from the south. <clears throat> and take them through the cities before they bury them. Yeah. So what would we do? We would go out at night, and when we knew they were bringing them into the city, stay in the outskirts, wait for those trucks to arrive, and then run it with those trucks throughout the night until they would exit through the other side of the city. From one side of Qom to the other right now, it takes maybe three hours if you're going slow with all those people. Yeah. And so after you get this feeling of fulfillment, you get what I'm saying? And this is good. No one's saying this is wrong. This is very good and I think youth have to go through that. But sometimes we feel like, okay, that which is more challenging physically for us is exactly what matters. No, sometimes it's not the active ingredient. It's what pushes us towards the active ingredient. But it's not the active ingredient. We have to be aware of, beware of this. It doesn't matter if, I've, if, I, if I'm holding a majlis and I'm not sitting there to benefit myself and I'm running around helping out, that's good, that has sawab. But for my growth, there has to be times where I also take care of myself. I have to be a little bit selfish here. Yeah, You look at these greats, they would have a weekly, bi-weekly program maybe in their Husayniya and stuff. But most of the time, they were taking care of themselves. This does not mean to not help others. I, I, you know, This is clear what I'm saying. That we cannot, we have to understand everything has its own place. Yeah. When these people go to the battlefield, they really feel like they put their lives on the line, and they do. Yes, Talha, Zubair, people like this. And it has a good effect on them. But the question is when you come home, how are you at home? The famous Sahabi, Ma'ad bin Jabal, or Sa'ad bin Ma'ad, one of these two. Sa'ad bin Ma'ad, yeah. One of the greatest Shaheed of Badr or Uhud, I don't know which one it was. Yet he's in trouble. Why? Because at home, the major struggle he's failing at with his akhlaq towards his family. This is how important it is. So shaitan sometimes won't come and tell us do haram. He'll just, we had this before, remember? What he'll do is he'll make it seem like, oh, this is the priority. This is what matters. 
And before you know it, you've wasted your time and energy. Yes. It reaches a point, he says, that if a person really is able to win in this battle and struggle against the self, it reaches a point that a ma'asum, yes, will reference that person what they've said. In other words, you get close to levels of isma even, and infallibility yourself. If a person can refine themselves that much, it reaches a point where they're not committing haram anymore. They don't care what others think. That one time where you know it's kind of hard, it's a struggle for them, because others might think of them in a bad way, they might be frowned upon, they don't care. Yes, that one time, slowly when these things add up, this person goes up that ladder and reaches close to Isma. He says, look, for example, An Abi Basir, a person by, by the name of Abu Basir, one of the great companions of the sixth Imam, he says, قَالْ سَمِعْتُ أَبَا جَعْفَرَ I heard Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq saying, يَقُولْ كَانَ فِي خُطْبَةِ أَبِي ذَرْ رَحْمَةُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ كَذَا I heard Imam al-Sadiq citing who? Abu Dhar al-Ghifari. He's citing him. Well, Imam al-Sadiq, you can just say, I say this. Why do you have to reference him? He's making a point, he says. He's making a point that, look, if you do what you're supposed to do, you can slowly reach this point where a ma'asum looks at you as if you're one of them. Salmanu minna ahl al-bayt. Salman reaches a point where he's one of the ahl al-bayt. Is that just like a formality? What are if, if you're if you're part of ahl al-bayt, what does that mean? What does that entail? That entails that you have a little bit of isma in you as if. Yeah, you've 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 gotten very close. I like to say it like this: your head might be touching the, the bottom of the feet of the imams. You can't be up there with them. But you can go as high as your head hitting the bottom of their feet maybe. You're their student. You're, you're, you're carrying out everything that they want you to. These are things that Allah gives in return. So when you speak, when you speak, I mean the hadith says, if a person, man akhlasa lillahi arba'ina yawman, 40 days you take care of yourself. Forget a lifetime. 40 days, yeah, you take care of yourself. You watch out for yourself. Yeah. What does Allah say? What does Allah do for that person? It says the, 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 the springs of hikmah and wisdom will flow from your tongue. Yanabi al hikmah. Yanabi al hikmah will be jari from your tongue. And that's, the, that's the beauty of living a godly life. It's not just, I'm going to just you know, continue uh, doing the wajibat and continuing staying away from the haram and doing some ibadah just for the sake of Allah slowly gives you certain things, gives you a basira, gives you wisdom. To the point that the Imams even cite you. It's very interesting. <laughs> he says, he moves on now. He says, alright, so we said, in Tansurullah yansurkum, wa yuthabbit aqdamakum. These verses will apply to you. Allah will help you. There's also other things that apply, such as, wa a'iddu lahum mastata'tum min quwwa. If this is really a struggle, and since Allah knows that you will be fighting enemies, for example, that you have to be ready, Allah says in the Qur'an, prepare yourselves with all the might that you can to be able to oppose them, the enemies of Islam. He says this will also apply to the person who's fighting the major battle of refining the self. You have to be prepared for this fight, he says. It just doesn't happen overnight. You know? 
So how can I be prepared? What do you mean? Explain more. He says, first of all, the preparation you need for that minor struggle might not come close to the preparation you need for the major struggle. He gives an example. He says, let's say you're, I don't know, there's a, a wild beast that's attacking you. Right? Let's say a bulldog or something. He says, you, all you need to do is throw him something and you'll get a little bit of time to be able to actually run away. That's, a minor, that's the minor struggle. You can figure things out like that. But he says, with the major struggle, there is no such thing. You can't throw your nafs something. Your nafs wants something. You throw it something and then you say, okay, let me run away now. He says, no. Because when you throw something that it likes, that is actually you taking away from your ruh and giving it to him, to the nafs. Nafs will take it and devour it, yes. But it's devouring yourself. You're losing actually. When you throw something for a bulldog, you're not losing anything. You're actually getting some time to run away. But here it's a little different. So the preparation, he says, is going to be a little different as well. I mean, we'll, the preparation part we'll talk about later, inshallah. I just want to uh, share with you how he highlights the importance of it first. Yeah, if you throw something for your own nafs, what you've done is you've strengthened your nafs and you've weakened yourself. So look, when you're dieting, for example, you'll have a cheat day once a week. Right? Well, you go all out. What's the point of that? The point of that is to guarantee you that you'll have six more days of clean eating. Right? The thing is, in Islam, for the major struggle, there is no cheat days. That's the hard part. Yeah. Till the grave. After the grave is different. But till the grave, there are no cheat days. Why? Because the fight is a different one. Your body can uh, afford to have a few, uh, one day off. Right? You will still be in proper shape unless you want to be like super like crazy good shape which is diff which is a waste of time in my opinion but anyway you'll be healthy one day a week of cheating is okay not here though that one day hurts you more why because that's a, this is the this is not no minor struggle here this is the major struggle so i'll end with this excerpt from him he says he says if a person is not suffering from an akhlaqi sickness or from sin. We're talking about preparation, right? Being ready, being careful. He says they shouldn't, you know, be content with that much. Why? He says because sometimes the enemy in that major struggle might be just giving you a little bit of respite so that they can come for you later when you're when you're ghafil, when you're not paying attention. Why? the enemy right now might not have had the chance to use whatever force he could against you. But he knows later on, they can use that force. So they're waiting. They're, they meaning yourself, the, the, the nafs. And I don't want to sound like this an outer enemy. But when the time comes and the circumstances are right, he will start the attack. That's why, and this is the part I really liked, he says, this is why we, you can see certain people when they are not too busy with anything. They don't have any special positions. They're nobodies. What do they have? He says, Salik Gunahastan. They are like the Saliks, like the spiritual wayfarers, like the Urafa. Yeah? This is a good example of this is when you're in the Hawza and all you're doing is what? Studying. You're surrounded by good people, ulama, books. Islam, that's all it is. 
I mean, when you barely go outside, you're living in an enclosed environment. And you don't really go out much. The only time we would go out was for Dhuhr and Asr Salat. They would tell us, you have to go to the masjid close by. Like they would make us go out so that you see the world. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so we would go to outside to the masjid. It was like two minute walk and we would come back. That was it. Maghrib, Isha, there. Fajr, there. Throughout the day, there. Throughout the night, there. Sleeping, there. Everything was there. Okay. When that happens, and this is good, I think, you need a time like that where you can only focus on yourself. When you're there, it's, it's, you are very spiritual. It's hard to not be spiritual. And so he says, sometimes when people don't have much going on in their life, they are very spiritual. But then when they reach certain positions, they, ha- they become somebodies instead of nobodies, that goodness goes. Because why? Because they, weren't, they hadn't prepared from beforehand. And now their guard was down, and before you know it, they fall prey to the enemy. Let me give you an example. Now this example isn't a perfect example for what I'm talking about right now. But it's a good enough example, I think, just to illustrate how things change sometimes. One of my friends was telling me, some of these ulama and maraja, when they were going to become a marja'i taqlid, you know what they would do? Because when you're a marja'i taqlid, everyone comes to you. When you're resident alim, everyone comes to you. All people from all walks of life, all backgrounds, good, bad, weird, very weird, <laughs> they will come. And so dealing with them is not like how you were when you were in the hawza. In the hawza you say, Assalamu alaikum, wa alaikum assalam. You pass. That's the only thing you would say throughout the day. All the time, you're walking in the hallways, Someone's passing, Salaam Alaikum, Salaam Alaikum. That's all it was. But now other things are coming up. Now, some of these mujtahids that were going to become marja, taqlid, or were going to become people in a, important people in a certain community, they would go to the bazaar for a few months. Okay, the marketplace back home. And so when they would ask them, why are you here? You're a great mujtahid. Why are you in the bazaar, in the marketplace where all these normal people are coming and going, and you're hanging out with uh, shopkeepers and so on, you know what their answer was? I want to learn the lesson of being and in Farsi means like a crook. <laughs> yeah, means like an evil person. I want to learn the ropes. I want to become familiar with the real world out there. Not just, you know, my, where I was back in my little office surrounded by scholars, you know, in Qom or Najaf or something. Yeah. So this person understands that outside is different than inside. Right? So same thing here. He's saying that, look, some people, they haven't, in Farsi we say some people don't have water or else they're very good swimmers. Right? Which means that some people haven't been tested enough. Some of these very spiritual people. But when the time comes, you'll see that they're the fastest swimmers in the pool. They just didn't have a pool to swim in. <laughs> yeah? Or like Nukhodaki Isfahani, one of the Urafa, he would say that, uh, or others, like they'll say that we all have a Yazid in us. We all have a Saddam Hussein in us. We just haven't had the chance for to let it out and unleash it. Yeah. So here he's saying that these people, they're very good. And that's good, but when the time comes because they were negligent of, prepar- of preparing, when they were in the hawza, 
in university, whatever it was, they're, they're prone and they're not immune to the attacks. And the attacks, when they come, what happens is they fall, they fall hard. But if a person in their youth, while they're studying, while they're growing up, has certain tools that they've prepared, then when the time comes, they'll be alert, they won't fall like others. And this is very important. I've firsthand seen this of how, yes, some people do prepare. There are some preparatory steps to be taken. There's, it's not too complicated. Maybe next week we'll talk about them a little bit. Just two or three that you all know. But even taking these serious play a major role in a person guaranteeing that they won't, once they come out of that environment that they're in, that they're going to stay the way they are. Yeah. All of this because why? Because this is the major struggle. And if it's the major struggle, it takes major preparation so that we don't get ambushed by the, the enemy, inshallah. Any questions? No questions? Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen.